if TSM joined LEC, never thought I would ever say those words in my life. Here we are. Um, it doesn't seem likely that that's going to be the case. I don't want to mislead people, but there's definitely reason for that conversation. JNT and I will get into that in just a second. Other things we go over this episode, TL, they can't go 2-0 to save their lives. Uh, we'll get into the reason for that. Also, MVP frontrunner talk and Golden Guardians making a move for River. Episode 94 of the Clown Fiesta podcast is on its way right now. JNT250 and Blue Jay. Uh, okay, JNT, let's start talking about TSM again because this is the Clown Fiesta podcast and it is an LCS podcast. And what would an LCS podcast be without talking about TSM and their latest story, controversy, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, they're, you know, you, you have that like little thought in the back of your mind that they're just doing whatever they can to be in sort of the news every single week. When you kind of are creating this pattern of being in the news every single week for you know, whatever it may be, whether it's a G flaming one of his players, whether it's ESM signing somebody big, benching somebody on their team, they're just, they're just always about, so. Yeah, and so the story is going that TSM is considering selling their LCS spot to join the LEC now. As far as we can tell, the only thing that they really did was inquire from Misfits how much it would cost to buy the spot. Um, and even though by the sounds of things, there's nothing in motion or anything like that. To me, I just think it's crazy that TSM would even inquire, especially if you just rewind like one year. People would be like, why would that even happen? What like what could go wrong in the next year for that to even be something you would consider or even bring up in a meeting? But clearly they're looking at it. Um, and I guess the the three factors that are put in the article by Richard Lewis were they wanted to reduce costs of teams, various esports projects. Um, the level of competition in the region isn't where they think where. Well, it's where no one wants it to be, let's be honest. And then along with the falling popularity of League as a whole in North America is what the uh, the article said. Yeah, I mean, first point that's really interesting is the one where it talks or it speaks to the level of competition in North America. And if you're TSM and, you know, you're saying these things or you hear these things from TSM two, three, four, five years ago, that might make sense. But right now, you, th you look at the TSM that we've seen over the last two seasons They'd be in the bottom, they'd be the last place team in the LEC as well, or, or just in, yeah. in, in the bottom three. So to have that as one of the, the sourced reasons already just confuses me a little bit. The other thing that I also find very interesting is TSM is a North American organization. That is what they're known for, as opposed to the majority of the other orgs that are within the LCS, or I'll rephrase, majority of the popular orgs in the LCS, like Cloud9, like Team Liquid, like 100 Thieves, they have been very active in branching out to, you know, premier esports, um, you know, like other titles like, you know, CSGO, uh, Smash, Hearthstone, whatever. And especially, you know, they are, have players and teams and personalities all around the world. Cloud9, they have their, their Korean Overwatch team. Cloud9, they, they did a whole European CSGO thing for a little while there. Uh, team Liquid, their, their CSGO team as of late has been with a lot of uh, European talent. and Isn't TL's Valorant team also European? That as well. Or am TL, I wrong? You know, you're, you're, you're right. M100 yeah. Thieves, for, for a little while, they invested in a Brazilian CSGO team when they first came in. And then the next time they tried to do it, they bought up uh, Renegades, which is an Australian CSGO team. And my, my point here is that TSM is only North America. And for them to potentially uproot their entire brand and move it over to Europe, 
doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because they're not established anywhere in the world except for North America. So a move like that doesn't really make any sense because TSM is the North American brand. I wouldn't even mind if it was another esport. We're talking about League of Legends here. Like that is like the most North American League of Legends team is TSM. It was it's North American League is built on TSM. That's the craziest thing to me, but like beyond that, one of the reasons again that was sourced was cutting costs or reducing costs of the various esports projects. I don't see how that would be the case because like well, how much do you think an LCS slot would sell for right now? When it sold for EG a couple of years ago, it was like 30 million or something like that. The LCS has shrunk in popularity. Wouldn't it be less valuable now? Not to mention the team that would be selling their spot would be TSM. The LCS is just less valuable with TSM out of it. So the people that would be buying that spot would have to say, do I want to play in an LCS without TSM? Like that takes away a lot of the fandom. Yes, I know reduced fandom over the last year because of how bad they've been, but still a significant portion of fandom in the LCS would leave if TSM left, I would have to imagine. And so I don't know if you would make up that money, right? Like what, Misfits sold for what, like 45 to 50 million was what they were saying. I don't know if TSM would be able to get that for their spot because they're not selling their brand away. They're just selling their spot. Yeah, I mean, so I feel like that would be a, a net loss. Yeah, you're already going to have some sort of a loss when you transition from the LCS to the LEC because it seems that LEC slots are more valuable than LCS slots, just in mm -hmm. terms of the price tag of what we've seen with this Misfits buy. The reported number is, I think, 46 million. And okay. as you said, the most recent LCS spot was 30 million. And even before that, I guess it was Schalke two years ago now. Um, because who bought in for Schalke? I can't even remember now. Uh, was I... it BDS? Oh yeah, it was okay. It was BDS, and what that was that was a year and a half ago, almost two years now, and that is, you know, I think they sold for like twenty five million. So I, I can sort of see where where TSM is coming from in terms of making that up financially, because it does seem that LEC slots are on the rise, and I think that's because the LEC is in general a much bigger league than the LCS, whether it's Know, viewership, player base, interest, um, sponsorship, uh, you know, competitiveness, obviously. So if, if TSM is looking to potentially make more money, it does make sense for them to move over to the LEC. However, as I previously mentioned, them being the North American brand, I don't think would yield the results that they might theorize. First of all, I think should TSM move to Europe, they would just instantly become like the meme team. Where if they're not, I think they would be the meme. Yeah, I think they're already the meme team in Europe. Oh. They're not even over there yet. People chant TSM in the stands. They're not even in the league yet, and that's not a good chant. TSM. That's a we're making fun of this team. And I don't even know if like the European fans would even accept TSM as like a, a recognized team because they're, they're so North American and they're already such a known quantity. Like when a new a brand new organization comes into a league like a BDS, you know, like a Mad Lions in Europe, like an XL. There's no really base that players or teams or, you know, fans can judge them on. It's just kind of, you know, it's an unknown and you kind of go from there and you have to find a way to build your brand and everything. And TSM is already established. And like I said, I don't, I don't think moving to the LEC is going to fix these financial problems that they think might exist in North America because LEC is suffering the same in terms of, you know, viewership and everything like that. The TSM would instantly be 
the punching bag, right? Like, yeah. so I guess if you want to t- look at the good things about it is like, people would be watching the TSM games. They would just be cheering against TSM. So it would be valuable for the LEC. Like, oh, we have more eyeballs on it. Like if TSM joined for like BDS, for example, more people would watch the LEC. So there's that. However, I don't think TSM would be accepted into the league. Like uh, we're just going to accept TSM, the league that's got the CEO who's known for bullying players and staff. Hmm. Like, I feel like that would be hard stopped by the LEC. I feel like they'd be like, mm, no, we're going to sell to somebody else. Anyone else. Although I say that, and wasn't there actually like some controversy with heretics or whatever? Yeah. Like people weren't getting paid. So like, I guess there's some bad PR on that team as well. I think when you're willing to fork out the $45, $46 million for the spot, <laughs> they probably, you know, don't really give a fuck. No, they would though, because... It's not that if you don't get the forty-five million from that team, it's not like you can't get forty-five from another team, right? It's they would just choose hair. Like let's say, well, in this case, it's I suppose it's possible that it happened that TSM put in a bid for LEC and LEC was like, no, we're gonna go with Heretics instead because we can get forty-five, like forty-five million from TSM and forty-five million from Heretics is the same thing, you know? Yeah, but but I guess it's just like I, I let's think just not take the team that's that's got the owner that's known for bullying. Yeah, and I, I think part of that goes back to SM being known quantity and their branding being solely around North America. And, you know, if you have Team Heretics, for example, who's a Spanish team and Spanish players and, and then the LEC, like Mad Lions, are very, very popular and yield a lot of viewership, that just makes more sense to do than to accept a team like a TSM. I guess the main scenario that I was talking yeah. about is, let's say TSM was the only team that was willing to put up that cash buy the spot then obviously you say yes but as you correctly gotcha. know like yeah. if, if you have competition and you have all these other organizations coming in trying to bid for the spot the lec is going to choose what team that they think is going to bring the most to their league you know they can benefit from each other and like i said i don't think that tsm is in a position to really do that yeah it'd be most potential upside with least p- potential downside and tsm comes with a lot of downside even if they do come with some upside, there's a lot of down with the whole controversy that surrounded Reggie for the last year or so. Um, the other thing that too, like I, I just because I mentioned earlier, like I don't even know if TSM would make money off of doing this. Maybe the players are less expensive in Europe, but I don't think they're that significantly less expensive that you would save the, I don't even know how many millions you would lose by selling your LCS spot. Yeah, but I mean, also uh, as a as a new team coming into a league, unknown, you're also going to have to pay most likely a premium for some players to get them to come to your team as opposed to another team. True. Yeah, true. Especially a team that you know, like TSM's desperate right now. Yeah. You know they need to spend, whether they're in North America or Europe, they need to spend because their brand for a decade has been winning, and now they're not winning. So yeah, and yeah. S- sort of unfortunately for TSM at this point, they're they're one player who has maybe any name value and could be a player to build around in the future is Spika, and when you move him over to the LEC, he's going to count as an import. That's also probably going to hurt your chances if you wanted to go that route. If if Spika wanted to stick with TSM and go to EU, you know, you're already at a bit of a deficit there being the first kind of North American import in TLC. That would just be funny in general. But I, I, I couldn't imagine well, that TSM... Was it not imports back in the day? Because there were NA people that played in Europe. It just there was no import rules at that time. Like uh, like Prolly, for example. Like there was just no imports. 
Do you when know how was, that works? When Prawley was coaching. No, Prawley played for H2K. H2, yeah, I'm pretty sure he played for H2K. Played for them, I think he coached. He was the mid on H2K. Oh. You want to look that up? I thought he played. I thought he played in Europe. Look it up really quickly, but I don't think he was playing because he stopped playing for complex complexity pretty early on. Okay. Yeah, he was only a coach. Maybe on. I could I could be making a mistake. My bad. I thought he played as well, and he didn't play in Europe at all. Nope. Oh. Well then, my bad. So there's never been a North American player to play in Europe. Um, I mean, in the LEC slash EULCS, there's Cody Sun who's in the LFL right now. If you want to count that, right? Yeah, I wouldn't because it's not the yeah. I wouldn't either. Region. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So no, there there um, hasn't been any, and I don't think there will be any unless it's some big player whom TSM could bring over with them. And the only one that I see possible at this current moment would be Speaker. But from a... Speaker's perspective, why the fuck would he want to do that? Because he's going to a harder league. The work with a team who's not going to be in a great position, you know, salary-wise, competitive-wise, and there's more money to be made in North America. So it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, sort of talk about it from an LCS perspective. I think that... That's where I was going next. Yeah. What does the LCS look like? Yeah, I think the right? impact Without of TSM, TSM... I think the impact of TSM possibly leaving is, is obviously not as great as it was in the past. TSM is still obviously a big name brand and, and a team that still brings a lot of fans and viewers to the league, which I think is very, very important. However, at the same time, with esports being a very uh, player-centric sort of fan base rather than a team-centric fan base, we've kind of seen a lot of the, you know, the, the floaters move to other teams ever since the departure of Bjergsen and Doublelift. Yes, obviously the TSM fans still exist, and yes, there are a lot of hardcore TSM fans, but... The majority of those fans back in the day who were Bjergsen supporters, Doublelift supporters, you know, Biofrost supporters have sort of branched out to other teams. And it's, I don't think that the impact would be as big as before. I think the LCS could survive because I think there are a lot of prominent NA organizations that could come into the LCS if they wanted to. That pop into my mind right away would be if Envious wanted to come back because I think Envy and Optic, one of them just bought the other remember i don't remember if optic bought envy or if envy bought optic but one of those teams could do it you know like something like phase clan could do it um I, I can't really think of any other teams but there's a ton in north america that would have the capital to be able to do it so i think you could easily replace tsm with another big brand that could draw in a similar number of viewers that could be leaving the other thing with TSM is, like, I'm still not convinced that they can't get back some of their fans. As long as they don't CLG it and go, I don't know, how many years has it been since CLG was good? 2019 or summer. something? As long as, yeah, as long as TSM can actually bounce back next year, I could see them bouncing back as far as fandom goes as well. Maybe not to where they were before. But you could get a lot of their fans back, I believe. I just think that you want to show that you're not just completely dog shit on a regular basis like CLG has been. And so, I don't know. I guess I guess I one bad year in North America and TSM's looking to inquire about an LEC slot. That just seems so crazy to me. I don't know. It seems, it seems nuts. The other thing that I'm curious about is, like, I would want to know how LEC fans feel about that. Like... Do European fans even want TSM in the LEC? Probably some of them do, but probably some of them just don't. Um, 
I'd be interested to know. I know most of our audience is is uh, uh, LCS, but if anybody if anybody listens that is a big viewer of the LEC, I'd be curious to know your opinion on whether you want TSM in the LEC. Um, I guess drop a comment if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Uh oh. He froze. What's uh oh? Oh yeah, sorry, you, you froze for a sec. Wanna, oh my you, bad. If you want to repeat what you were uh, you're saying. No, I was just saying I want to know what LEC fans think of TSM possibly joining the LEC. I shouldn't say possibly joining, but about that idea. Like, if I want to know, like, if you're a big LEC fan, I want to know, would you even want to see TSM in that league? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I, I feel like. They would have to have some sort of player that they could bring over or, or a big signing early on that, that would draw a lot of fans and draw a lot of interest. Like, obviously, in, in a world where TSM still has Bjergsen, that, I think, is a move that could make complete sense because Bjergsen is European. There was even rumor, I forget what year it was, maybe it was season 9 or it was season 10 where Bjergsen was a free agent and that was, like, before... Uh, TSM gave him part ownership in the team where there was rumors that he was going to potentially go to Europe um, specifically and join Fnatic. I think that was the main that he was to have. And a lot of fans were super excited about that to see the best player in the LCS go back to Europe, which had at that time established themselves as the better league than the LCS. So I feel like the only way that it would draw the interest of European fans, if they brought somebody big, that, that would have to be, or like, they sign a big name from the LEC to come to them. Like if this would this would never happen, but if they sign caps or they sign perks or they signed, you know, reckless or somebody like that. Yeah. Anyways, really interesting stuff. That's something I, I guess we'll kind of wait and see what the future comes. Cause maybe there's more about this that comes out and maybe there's not, I don't know, maybe this is the end of it and we never talk about it again, but definitely crazy when you start to hear about the, the biggest team in the LCS history, considering uh, leaving the league. That's just insane to me. Um, is there anything else on TSM you want to talk about? Um, well, obviously, you know, they had a they had an okay week by, you know, their standards, I guess. They got, they got a one-and-one one losing to Team Liquid on Saturday, beating Guardians Sunday. Uh, but the main thing to note was people found out, I think it was on Tuesday of this past week, that Soul had asked the team to move him down to Academy and to bring up Solo with its top lane starter uh, because he wanted... TSM to make playoffs, and he thought that Solo needed to come into the team for TSM's best chance to do that, which is honestly what I thought was going to happen from the beginning. I was surprised, you know, when TSM announced their initial roster changes that they were signing Solo, that Solo was not going to be the starter, because as I previously mentioned in that and two weeks ago now, when TSM made these big roster moves, it felt like they were giving up on the season. And that they were trying to figure out, you know, what players they were potentially going to keep around for their academy and LCS projects in 2023. And when you when you dump all these these rookies into the team, you're taking out your veteran players. You know, because they took out Huni, they took out Tactical, they took out Mia, and they put an instinct chime and soul. That that to me just signaled that they weren't really going for it. And now, yeah, I think have, that's right. But 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 now to have Soul removed from the team and bring in Solo. It just kind of feels like you've had two wasted weeks or, or two weeks that you know could have been you know, could have been more time spent with solo in the main team working towards playoffs if that was the goal. So right then and there, like that just says to me that Soul wasn't isn't on wasn't on the same page as TSM or TSM wasn't on the same page with their players. 
because if the goal was to make playoffs, Sol shouldn't have been in. It's, it should have been Solo. So it, it just, See, once again, feels like a I, lot of confusion going on in the TSM. There is confusion, but I don't look at it as like they're not on the same page. I think they did kind of let go to say like, look, this isn't our year. Let's see what we have for next year. And I think they probably were on the same page with Seoul. Like, yeah, let's start an LCS. But once he got there, he realized, oh, like, I don't belong here. And I think that's okay for a new player to not really know like what they're getting into when they first join the LCS, right? It seems like TSM was totally fine with saying like, look, we don't expect you to pop off or anything in the LCS. Do your best. Let's see what you got. And he realized, like, I'm just not ready for it yet. I, I'd probably be better off learning more in Academy. And I, to me, that's totally fine. I don't think putting back, putting Solo back in is the org being like, never mind, we want to make a playoff run. I think they still know that, like, playoffs doesn't really mean much for them. Even if they make 7th or 8th, like, they don't really got the squad to make a good playoff push. I think it's just, uh, I think it's pretty much just Soul realizing he's not ready for LCS, and I, that's all it is to me, honestly, because you still have your bot lane swapped out as well. Yeah, but I mean, if, if I guess if, I mean it's it's hard to say, but if I was Soul in this situation, I would think that you would want to continue to play in the LCS and sort of gain as much information and knowledge as possible, despite you most likely getting shit on on a weekly basis because he is a very new player. It was unlikely that he was jump into this league and mashing you know your average top laner in the lcs so i mean i don't know maybe psm and soul they kind of recognized with each other that he is a player that they want to invest in long term and soul was you know looking out for the betterment of the team in that case but at the same time like the lcs is a business and psm has the opportunity to go out and sign a player that's better than soul they're probably most likely going to do that and i feel like in these kinds of scenarios especially when you're on lesser performing teams I feel like as a player, you sometimes got to be a little bit selfish and prioritize yourself rather than your team when you really don't know what's going to happen down the line. Yeah, I don't know. To me, I'm not too bothered by it because it definitely from all indications are that Soul was the one that initiated the, hey, I need to go down to Academy. And if that's the case, that's fine. I feel like if you're TSM, they did the right thing in saying that, like, look, we're not doing anything this year. Let's put in these rookies. Let's see what they got. And then when you have a rookie come back to you and say, look, hey, coach, I'm not ready for this. It's I'm just getting shit on. I'm not learning anything when I'm getting hard smacked. I think it's okay for the coach to be like, no problem. We have someone else that can go in that has played LCS games and is serviceable. It's no problem. If you're soul and you're new to the to the team, not only just new to the league, but new to that team specifically, you don't want to be a burden on your team either. That's not fun and it's not good for your mental. And that could also stunt your growth in the long term as well. So for, for once, I actually don't think TSM did anything wrong here, honestly. And for once. And I guess what I would say to that blame TSM but if that was the case and they were trying to sort of foster, you know, a healthy environment where players are going to be able to work well with each other and it's not just going to be like a flame fest because he's inting, then mm -hmm. shouldn't have had soul in there in the first place. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say then. Yeah. If the case was that you wanted to create a good environment, you didn't want your team to just be getting shit on because of one player, then have a veteran player that is more serviceable. And, and has proven to be serviceable even when subbed in emergency situations. We saw it when he got subbed into FlyQuest Season 10. We saw it when he subbed in for CLG very, very briefly at the beginning of Season 11. We're seeing it right now. He even had a pretty good weekend. He actually had a pretty good first, weekend. this first yeah. week. So, I mean, I feel like we've always talked about Solo as a player who have been like done a little dirty because of this whole toxic uh, 
sort of uh, personality that has kind of been pushed onto him. Uh, but we've always thought, I mean, I'm, I guess speak for you, but I think the both of us have thought that he's a good player and should be starting in the LCS. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the wide community sentiment is that he belongs in the LCS. But the other thing too is, and this is where it's speculation, it's possible that Solo brought this on himself as far as being like that, having that toxic, uh, oh, maybe like, um, you know, like that, that could be his own fault. We're not in the, the scrim room, so we don't know, but like a lot of times the players that have, that are known for being toxic are toxic. So <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. But as far as, like, the performance from this past weekend, TSM actually looked pretty good in the Golden Guardians game. I know Golden Guardians isn't looking the greatest right now, but that game, to me, I actually thought TSM played really well. We mentioned that Solo had a good weekend. I thought Chimes' Bard was fucking awesome. We finally saw the Bard. Finally. And I was I was really impressed with it. That was kind of an insane performance from the Chime on the Bard. Although, I mean, I would expect that to happen when you have a one-trick playing his one-trick. But it was nice to see. Definitely think TSM well in that Golden Guardians game, but don't get it twisted. Guardians was shitting the bed in that game. That might have been the worst. I thought Golden Guardians looked much worse the day before. <laughs> really, I think that was the worst yeah. top top jungle performance I've ever seen in my life. Not even joking. That game. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm, one thing we'll agree on is they didn't look good this weekend. Ever, I'm pretty sure I haven't watched the game or looked at. Not that I haven't watched the game. I haven't gone back and watched the game closely. I don't think he hit a single wall stun. An important okay, wall so stun that wasn't in that first tower dive. Are you... We're good on TSM? Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, so yeah. let's move over to the Golden Guardian stuff. Before we do, I just want to remind people that are new to the channel. Uh, we do these episodes every week. Um, so you can find us live on twitch.tv slash podcast every Monday night around midnight EST or just after. Um, and then on YouTube, we're going to release every, we release pretty much Tuesday, early, early mornings, sometime around 4 a.m. ish. Uh, we try to get the episodes up as soon as possible. JNT is usually pretty good at that. So, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Clown Fiesta podcast if you enjoy the content. And, uh, yeah. Oh, also you could find us on like Spotify and Apple podcasts as well. We put ourselves on a lot of different platforms. So just look for the Clown Fiesta podcast and you can find us. Um, okay, let's talk to Dig stuff, because Dig decided to make a trade. Um, most people would say a good trade. It didn't pan off, not in the early going, anyway. Yeah, um, unfortunately, Golden Guardians get another 0-2 week. I think, if I'm not... Sorry, 1-5 in, in their last six games, which is not the best look. We thought that Golden Guardians, when they were 3-3 three and three at the time actually had a chance to contend with some of these top teams and we sure, yeah. and we felt like the main problem with the team was they lacked that you know those instincts and that early game coordination someone to put it all together and river being kind of the rock of dignitas him coming over to golden guardians seemed like sort of a match made in heaven where golden guardians needed a more proactive jungler in the early game who's good at playmaking and can really help the team when it comes to early game coordination objective fights you know uh, and late game objective and team fights and everything like that. However, it didn't get off to the greatest start. I still think that they made the right move. I do think River's an upgrade, but from what we saw this weekend, it doesn't fix their other problems. The constants that you and I have been on and on about this year, their solo lanes fucking suck. Let's just let's just say it as it is. Their solo lanes are trash. Yep. 
I would be so embarrassed if I was licorice to have a guy like Solo who wasn't playing well in academies, what I've heard constantly, even someone in the live chat saying it. I've heard that from the analyst ask on LCS. I've heard that so many times. Solo hasn't been looking good in academy. He comes up and just smashes you. Like, that's embarrassing, man. How many games, like, dude. Yeah, this is getting into the, the this is becoming a weekly thing where I flame Golden Guardians. Um, I think Licorice has just gotten worse and worse and worse as the whole year has gone on. And Ablaze Olive is free kills mid as per usual. Face checking, blowing flash early, not even getting wards down. Like, he is so free ganks if he doesn't have a mobile champion. And so it's like, oh, you put him on Seraphine? Okay, let's go kill him. Gank, forehead, done. Like, that's not a hard game plan. You know what I mean? So, yeah, even though I think River will be a lot better than Pride Soccer just because you'll have more proactivity and heavy ganking, I think you have other problems to fix. And maybe they could fix them, but you're running out of time. So, yeah, not, not exactly the greatest start for uh, Golden Guardians that clearly they decided they're good enough to make a playoff run. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made the trade. Yeah, and I guess the thing that I thought was most interesting about that trade is there was nobody else involved in the trade few LCS trades that we've seen before the most recent ones that I can think of would have been uh, Licorice when he got traded from FlyQuest to Golden Guardians and there was the the one between FlyQuest and Cloud9 at the in between season 10 and 11 where they also traded Licorice and a bunch of their academy players and that was kind of how FlyQuest did their they, they became like C9 Academy or whatever um, so in this trade specifically it was only River Presumably, Dig was going to get a lot of money out of it. Maybe that's something that they're going to be budgeting and using towards next year, which I guess seems to be the case, because when you look at it from the Dignitas side of things, they moved Gamsu down to Academy. Their Academy top laner, Hoon, has now become the starter. Um, their Academy jungler, XU, has been brought up to play for the main team, uh, where a completely like rookie amateur player is now stepping into their Academy role. And Spawn, uh, their academy ADC, is continuing to play on the starting roster as opposed to Neo, who's still down in academy. So it, it feels like Dignitas yeah. is hitting the reset button with this. Obviously, the only remaining starters on that team now are Blue and Biofrost. And apart from River, I think everybody can agree upon the fact that Blue and Biofrost were the other two strong members of this team. And it was fairly clear that Gomsu, their bot lane, or not their bot lane, sorry, their ADC, was kind of what was holding them back. Yeah, and, and again, Biofrost hasn't had the greatest summer split, but not nearly the biggest issue that that team's facing right now. And uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, like we said, it was kind of it's it's a, it's clear that Dignitas is hitting the reset button. People were calling for Dignitas to sub in Insanity for Blue, and I feel like you know people haven't been paying attention to Blue uh, because I mentioned this in Spring Split. I had him as my third All-Pro mid, although I think that that third spot was up for grabs between a lot of different players. I think you had Takui. Um, I had Blue. There were other names like Abadage getting thrown in there. Uh, Jojo, because I think everybody could agree upon the fact that Bjergsen and Fudge were the one-two that split. But there were many names going around for third place. But in, in sitting at last place with Dignitas, Blue is still proven to be a very solid player in the league. He... he Problem early on was he would die pretty much all the time. He was kind of going a blaze olive mode for about the first four weeks of the spring split. But ever since then, he's become actually a really strong laner, great team fighter. He does kind of make some int plays at times, but I think that's part of a 
it's a bit of a byproduct of Dignitas just being so bad and often being very behind in games. And Blue is normally the strongest member on the team, playing some sort of carry like an Akali, Victor, or an Azir. And he's just he's got to be the guy to make those plays and to sort of get Dig back into the game. So hearing a lot of fans' reaction to these Dignitas moves and them not putting Insanity over Blue, I'm just kind of like, yeah, obviously. Like, why put Insanity in over Blue? Last time we saw Insanity, he looked like complete trash, and Blue is actually looking really solid right now. So I think, you know, obviously Dignitas is not going to win a lot more games this split. People are saying that they're not going to win a single game for the rest of the split, but... Blue and Biofrost seem like the two guys that you'd want to keep on this roster moving forward to 2023 and use that extra river money potentially to to bring in another great player. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I don't think that you need to swap out Blue at all. Um, I think it's pretty common for LCS or for LCS fans to see LCS teams struggling and be like, time to put in the Academy player. They're just better than the LCS player. Even if they see them having success in Academy, we've seen many times success in Academy does not equal success in the LCS. So I'm kind of with you. I don't really think that a swap is needed in the mid lane. I think there's a lot of other problems with the dig roster. Yeah. Dig's got some problems. Um, As far as golden guardians goes though, um, specifically from this past weekend, I look, they looked like shit against CLG, but for me, it was actually like a draft gap. C- CLG takes Yone blind, and then you draft Seraphine and Nar as your solo lanes. Like, who's supposed to lane against the Yone there? Uh, that doesn't really make any sense to me. So I thought, and then on that note, Dokla took over the game with the Yone, so that was not really a big surprise to me. There was the int by Stixa where like he goes full double lift mode and dashes in and dies on the on the Lucian. But to me, there was other problems that uh, led to the poor weekend from from Golden Guardians. Yeah, it, the it, Golden Guardians just. Well, we recognize that River will probably help them out in the long run. Obviously, it's his first time uh, playing with the team. Presumably, they didn't get scrim for very long because. The trade announcement mm-hmm. came out on Tuesday, so that leaves you only Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to scrim before the weekend. So it was probably likely that Golden Guardians wasn't going to look the best. However, you get shit on in both games, specifically you get shit on by TSM, who's also not looking very good at all, and who also is playing with a new player coming into the weekend. It's not a good look. Yeah, there's like the, you could say it's going to take us time to gel, guys, and that's true, but like, you shouldn't be making that move unless you're confident you're going to be able to gel quickly with said player, because uh, you're running low on time, as is everyone in the league, right? You only got a couple of weeks left of LCS, and like I said at the start of the segment, your your problems in mid and top haven't changed, in my opinion. I still think their bot lane is fine, more more than serviceable serviceable bot lane, so I don't think there's any issues there. I think River will be great. I really am pointing at solo lanes, Olive and uh, and Licorice to improve if this team is going to want to make a run, which it seems like that's what they want to do if you make a trade this late in the season. You think that you can make something with that trade. It, it's just not looking good early so far. Oh, two. All right, what's next, JNT250? Well, we got a little three-way tie going on. Third place at the moment. Out on NCLG, all sitting at eight and five with the standings. However kind of look at the trajectory of all of these teams and if you can remember both TL and CLG started off the split going 3-0 while Cloud9 started off the split going 0-3 so if you can do the quick maths there 
since that first week, Cloud9 is 8-2, and two, and both Team Liquid and CLG is 5-5. Five and five. Obviously, the, the, the sort of Team Liquid tradition now is they go 1-1 one and one every single week. Kind of funny, um, but also a little bit concerning when you look at some of the opponents that they faced, you know, dropping games to... Lost a game to TSM. They lost a game to FlyQuest, um, but I think a little bit understandable. There are other losses to Cloud9, EG, and one of Thieves. But I think you're mainly looking at those games against FlyQuest and TSM where you're really losing out on your regular season uh, seeding for the playoffs when you're losing to teams that are below you in the standings. Yeah, and so wait, we're going with TL first? Sure. The the thing with TL, that, and it's funny because I, I called into Hotline League about this tonight, not planning to, but I ended up talking about Team Liquid and trying to pinpoint like what the issues are. And the community sentiment that I've heard so many times is that TL is playing slow. And the conversation that I had with mostly with Mark and Bwipo on tonight's episode is like, they're not really a slow team. And I, I kind of agree because they do consistently, whether it's slow or not, they consistently do get gold leads in the early game. So even if it was playing slow or not playing slow, it, do, it wouldn't matter how fast you're playing if you're getting gold leads. What I do think is is puzzling is how every week it seems to be a new issue that arises to, for them to not be able to pull up the win after getting the early game leads. Um, last week we saw Han Sama. They put the game in his hands on the Lucian. He flashed over the wall and just int he inted multiple times in that game. And so the, the, you point to there, the game against CLG, people pointed to Bjergsen and getting outlaned by Palafox. And then Bwipo hasn't been consistent on the regular. Like So it's like every week it feels like there's a different area to point to. And it's like, it's really hard to pinpoint what the biggest issue is with Team Liquid. It's just, they're, they're inconsistent, but there doesn't seem to be one thing that carries over from week to week that you could point to. And that's one of the other things that I asked Bwipo, and it doesn't seem like there's anything in his mind that's like, this is regularly an issue, or at least nothing he wanted to share on Hotline that is a regular issue that needs to be fixed. And I find that that's really, really interesting for a team that struggles with consistency to not have uh, like even one thing that you could point to like this is what we need to improve and so if i'm a tl fan i'm a little worried that there's like yeah we're not winning we're not going to owe any weeks and we don't know why it, it, it's a little bit alarming because as you kind of mentioned it's not like tl is a horrible team or anything or playing too slow or, or whatever you want to call it it's that they are consistently inconsistent. like individual players are just having poor games uh, too often. And it seems to be a different player every single time. Like you mentioned, there are some games where Bwipo is completely smashing the game, taking over the, lane, taking over the game through his own lane, and there's other times where he just seems completely ineffective. Then you've had you know a couple of Bjergsen games where the, uh, the main one that sticks out is the Lissandra game against... Was it against? Lissandra game was against EP? Was Palafox. It? Or yeah, sorry. Palafox played the Azir, right? And yeah. And basically, wait, wait. He, he picked this roaming champion and didn't really do a whole lot with it. And then you have the Han Sama game. And it seems like, as we said this before, that Santorin and Bjergsen seem to sort of be the rocks of this team and the main thing that was sort of keeping them together. But as I mentioned last week, Santorin and Bjergsen are also kind of now jumping into the pool of, oh, they're kind of having a bad game every so often and it's kind of throwing off the dynamic of the team. And, you know, it's funny that you say, and, you know, they even said on Hotline League, that community, the community sentiment around Team Liquid is that they're a slow team. And I think I've heard Doublelift talk about this many, many times on his own YouTube channel where he goes and reviews the Team Liquid losses 
after they happen in the NCS. And one thing that he sort of identified is that they're actually a good early game team, but a bad late game team. I find that kind of interesting because they have these kind of notoriously good late game team fighters and Dirksen, Santorin, Hansama, and Core JJ. I feel like all of those players have sort of been known to be not really dominant in the early game, but very intelligent when it comes to positioning in the mid and late game. It allows them to sort of scale up and win team fights to them being better players than the opponents. But it feels like we're kind of in like opposite land here where PL seems to be failing in the mid and late game when that's supposed to be their bread and butter. Yeah, it's not something you would think to point to when it comes to this roster. You wouldn't ever suggest the idea, like before seeing them play, you wouldn't ever suggest coming into this season that their issue is going to be late game decision making. It's just not what you would expect. Uh, I, I, this weekend, though, even their game against Cloud9, I didn't really think they played that bad. I thought they played pretty good. They just like one time they didn't check Baron after a little skirmish. In River, they didn't check Baron. C9 just took Baron, and then the game slowly ended after that. And it was like, that's not like a, um, like, that's not something you could take away and point to, ne like, oh, next week we'll check Baron. Like, yeah, sure. It's like, it's always one new little thing. And that this week, it just happened to be that they didn't check Baron after a skirmish. And that completely lost them the game. Where, like, I thought even though C9 was, was playing well against them as well, I thought TL still played good in that game. So it's like you walk away with a loss after a game that you didn't really play too bad. Yeah, and you, you which I would have to imagine it's frustrating. I have to imagine that's really frustrating. In that game specifically between Team Liquid and Cloud9, you could really see the dynamic of the two team comps that each picked. Cloud9 picked this very aggressive early game team comp. The early Kalista Renata lane, you know, lock in the Hecarim in the second part of the draft, and you're like, okay, Cloud9 is playing through bot lane. Exactly what they did until you know they were like, yeah. okay, we're gonna trade for the top side of the map. Saw Whippo get a solo kill on Fudge at what was pretty much just as both top laners were hitting level six. Fudge then got redove top lane, you know, a couple minutes later, and then Jensen also got four man top lane. You know, Cloud9 was trading for a dragon on the bot side. And to me, I thought both teams were doing a good job of playing to their win conditions. And Cloud9 or sorry, Team Liquid was accepting the fact that hey. Cloud9 is throwing all their resources bot lane. We're going to sack the drags. We're going to play for Rift Heralds and top lane. Yale took both Rift Heralds. They took top tower. They got three kills in the top side of the map in the first 15 minutes. And going up the, you know, that Baron that sort of seemed to swing the game into Cloud9's favor, it was, it, to me, it just doesn't really seem to be anything more than just unfortunate timing where Team Liquid, it looked like they thought they had a safe base, but it just seemed at that point like, get the sudden realization it's like oh wait we don't really have vision of baron like they could possibly be on this because in their minds they're probably thinking that cloud nine is also going to back as well but cloud nine has a really good sustain within their comp having the hecarim to tank baron and then huge dps with Callista and azir and just kind of seemed to be that oh we're setting up for this big soul fight but oh shit we just gave over baron and now we've just lost control of the whole map we lose soul then you know next baron next baron and, and cloud nine just kind of has control of the game and it's up to cloud nine to lose the game they almost did that after taking the second yeah. baron and then getting wiped in a team fight luckily berserker kind of distracted team liquid with killing santorin off to the side and kind of delayed them from potentially ending the game so it just seemed to be that PL fumbled the bag when it came to you know, the, the climactic moment of the game, which was two minutes before Dragon Soul. Yeah, when I looked at, from, at this game from the lens of Cloud9 more specifically, I thought Cloud9 played really, really good. There was the one throw where Blabber gets a little bit excited, 
and he goes ham and he gets th the kitchen sink thrown at him. He gets polymorphed. I think he got ever frosted as well. But I think he thinks I can live here because I think they had Ocean Soul at that point. So maybe just a slight little miscalculation as to how good Ocean Soul is. Um, other than that, though, I thought Blabber actually had a great game. Um, I, that's the other thing, too, is I think Cloud9 is looking so much better when Blabber is on those chains that he could go ham on. He saw him on Olaf. We know what that's going to look like. That's nothing new. He will go ape shit and he'll run over a game. That that's what happened. Same thing with the the Hecram. It was a really nice dive bot lane. They had the flash bot because they they had the better bot lane. Who did they have? They had uh, Callista and Renata. Who was it? What was the bot lane? Callista Renata into the Lulu Cog. You're gonna be able to punish that if you focus that lane. Blabber went behind the tower and and forced. It wasn't even a tower dive. There was no minions crashing yet. It was like. I don't know. What do you call that? I don't know. I just, he, he just ran through the tower. A lane gank from the other side? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. It was just It's just a good heads-up play. They have no flash. You can punish this. And so, I don't know. Much better weekend out of Cloud9. I know you pointed to the, like, they're the, what did you say? They're like 8-2 and two or whatever since or something like that. Yeah. That, to me, is a misleading stat. They're def they had a good weekend this weekend. I can't just pretend last weekend they're 2-0. They didn't look like shit. Like, last weekend was not a good look, so... Um, definitely a good look out of C9 this week, but I'm not ready to just hop on the hype train after one good weekend, uh, especially when they kind of looked like dog shit last weekend. So good sign, because we need to see this out of Cloud9 as playoffs approach. I will be a lot more confident if I see it again this weekend coming up, um, that level of gameplay, let's say. Yeah, but it, at least, you know, when, when you want to talk about a team improving and want to see good things from a team, it's good to go out and get a 2-0 against two top team two teams that are probably going to be yeah. in the hunt for playoffs in FlyQuest and team liquid so it, they looked great yeah i feel like there's not a lot to talk about with this FlyQuest game uh, i played because it kind of just you know blabber playing olaf and FlyQuest took two bad fights gave olaf about you know 1.5k gold in the early game and it was just kind of over mm -hmm. Yeah, FlyQuest kind of just miscalculated what Blabber is going to do on Olaf. I keep saying Blabber Olaf, but that's an Olaf thing more than it's just a... Like, don't get me wrong, it's, like, bigger because it's a Blabber Olaf, but any Olaf should do that. Like, I think FlyQuest should have known what they were getting into when you're taking fights against that champion. Um, as far as CLG goes this weekend, good weekend, but I didn't learn much because I thought their opponents played like shit. I thought CLG looked good. But, like, I don't know, like, I thought Golden Guardians had an awful weekend, and I thought Dignitas also had an awful weekend. Luger was, like, 5-0 or some 5-1 and by, like, 10 minutes. Like, that game was just, what do you take away from those games, you know? Yeah, it was, yeah, I, I guess what I, what I would say for the first game, the CLG Golden Guardians game, that seemed more to me Golden Guardians being terrible than CLG or anything. Uh, not to say I that's agree. flame towards CLG, but... As you say, of course, not. I don't. It's it's hard to learn something from the game. Your opponents are just inting into you, and and similar to yeah. the Dignitas game, what in the fuck was going on bot lane? Like that shit was just crazy. I, like, that is some solo Q yeah. shit right there. It was a nightmare game out of Dignitas. That that was one where you would probably ff it at like five ten minutes if you're in scrims and just go next. But yeah, um, the game against Golden Guardians, uh, an area because I don't want to just say oh Golden Guardians played bad. An area where I do think they actually played really well is I thought Contracts had a lot of nice gank angles. Um, the poppy was great. I don't know how they got the poppy. I think that Golden Guardians should have taken that. I think they took like Viego or something instead. 
which again i i i normally you know this jnt i hate pointing at draft golden guardians draft fucking sucked this weekend but in all fairness golden guardians has had a good like they've had good drafts so far this this summer split so it's like i could give them like a weekend off um when it comes to giving credit to clg my guy from this past weekend was contracts i thought he looked really good yep Mm -hmm. uh, uh, after that, that we got what reached permaban status in L. I'm just so simplistic and powerful in the early game to where it really doesn't matter what other jungler you're picking in the early game. Poppy is always going to be strong. You kind of have to make that decision to where okay, we want to sort of counter pick because I don't I don't even know if there's. I wouldn't say that there's a lot of counterpicking going on in jungle right now, but you kind of have to make that early game sacrifice, pick a late game scaling jungler. But I think Poppy is just as effective in the late game as she is in the early game, just maybe not as strong yeah. as some of the other champions. It just feels like Poppy is strong in every phase of what would need to be changed so that wasn't the case. Maybe like just the, the percentage health damage on her Q or something like that, because that's always been the strong suit of Poppy. She's always good at the tank, so maybe that, but I'm not sure. The summary of the story is you should be first picking Poppy. Also, because I think it's a good flex to top lane right now with the top champions that are in the pool. Um, I'm really surprised that we haven't seen any top lane Poppy come out with like some, some flex picks in the draft. I've been saying it for like two to three weeks now that like, yo, this is a Poppy angle where you flex a top lane and then you get jungle counter pick where you can pick some late game like epic shit like a kindred or something, but I don't know. Well, that's why I mentioned I'm surprised Golden Guardians didn't take the poppy after CLG blinded the Yone. I was like, I feel like that would be a pretty good, like, I don't know why you're taking Viego there. It just doesn't seem like the pick to me, but I mean, I don't know. What the hell do I know? And then Dokla absolutely shit on them with the Yone, which I think that's kind of deserved. Hard punished. Yeah. Hard punished. But they counterpicked themselves, right? They picked Nar into blind pick Yone. Yeah, and like the Yone, if you think it's going mid, well, they picked Seraphine for mid, so like, okay. Yeah, that's also just uh, free real estate. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's talk about Immortals now. Immortals, not the worst weekend, but nothing to show for it. No dubs. Yeah, unfortunately for Immortals, they didn't get a win this weekend, but it felt like, you know, it, it felt like a bit of an internal win where people... The fruits of their labor seem to be paying off a little. And I think yeah, people first... are definitely respecting this team a lot more, even though they haven't been picking up wins, which is pretty rare. Yeah, and I feel like the place to start is top lane with Revenge. He seems to be turning it around, I guess, because he seemed to be kind of getting the brunt of a lot of the flame towards Immortals, both last split and the beginning of this split. And ever since the player break, he seems to be playing well, I guess. I don't know, it just... Just not inting. Yeah, and he was inting really hard. You mentioned how we were critical early this split and last split. That was for good reason. He was running it down. He was really, really bad, if we're being completely honest. And so it's nice to see. It's nice to see him have a little bounce back. And it's not just him. The team's looking so much better. I saw freaking Power of Evil outroam Jojo Pune this weekend. What the fuck am I watching? Uh, yes, he's playing Talia, and Talia roams really, really well. But, like, so does Ari. Which is what Jojo was playing. Ari's a pretty good roaming champion as well. Good wave clear, and you could roam pretty easily. And well, Poe out roamed him, which was honestly impressive. Uh, Ignara Mumu, great, really great, great game on the Amumu. He did get picked off the one time where you could tell they weren't on the same page, but for the most part, 
um this team actually does seem to be on the same page with a lot of their engages and i feel like uh the cc is being chained really really nicely with the amumu into like the yone i think it was in that in that particular game um what else did he play he played nautilus i think yeah in the second game under t yeah and, and even the the nautilus didn't look too bad either honestly really really uh, the the big difference maker that made things swing in their favor a little bit as well even though they didn't pick up the win in that game either so really impressed out of ignar and i think to me the biggest difference from last split to this split while there are a lot of things to point to i definitely think the support is the biggest gap um destiny was awful yeah um adc is still unfortunately not so great but ignar definitely seems Man. to be one of the better players on this team and Feels like blame TSM again, but it feels like the whole rumors about Ignar maybe going to TSM split or beginning of this year. Him playing as well as he is. Feel like if you're on TSM right now, you're kinda like, oh fuck, man, why didn't we sign this guy when we could have? Because he's been he's yeah, been great all split long. Like all split long, he's been really yeah. good. He just his ADC is kind of sandbagging him. Yeah, that's true. The, the the game against EG, um, I remember seeing oh, it was like thirty seven or, or something. It, well, there was that, but it was I and it was like almost forty minutes into the game. It was like really late, and Lost was still on like three items against Danny Jinx, who's got full items. And I'm just like, oh my god, the Flame Horizon bot gap happening right now. It's so bad. You're trying to fight when the other team has a a six item Jinx, and your Aphelios is still sitting on three items or three items and boots or whatever like you're so behind it's just not not how you win fights right but anyway uh yeah no not much more for me to say on immortals uh we definitely it, it's crazy the change from like a month ago we were saying that there's a lot of careers going to be ended on this team we were saying that there's no world where they're not finishing last they were hands down the worst team no one was close to as bad as they were uh yeah and the thing is too is like you heard the, well, you know, we had some players get in late and we weren't able to practice with them. We've heard that excuse so many times. So I didn't take it serious. <laughs> like, I'll just admit, I didn't take it serious. Why would I? I've heard that so many times. Well, you know, we didn't get to practice that much. But it's true that now that they are getting scrims together with this roster, they do look so much better. So, like, you know, hats off to them. Who's next? Well, we got our, we got our three remaining teams of, of 100 Thieves. Unicism FlyQuest. Um, EG, they got the 2-0. They ended up beating Immortals and FlyQuest. FlyQuest, unfortunately, went 0-2, dropping games to EG and Cloud9. Under Thieves so extended their winning streak by beating... Who did they beat? They beat Dig and somebody else. Immortals. IMT. Yes. Yeah. We, we didn't really talk too much about that, you know, 100T uh, Immortals game when we were talking about it. That was just kind of a weird game for 100T. One one fight and then just won the game because they had him. It was just seemed like perfect timing where they wiped the enemy team. They already had a mid wave that was pushing in their favor and they just ran it down mid end of the game because the death timers that were exceeding thirty seconds. But looking at one hundred D, they continue to slowly improve week over week. Abadage once again continues to show that currently performing like the best player on this team. I think. So, I didn't think he had that great of a weekend. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I mean, going to say it. He, was, he wasn't so great in the Immortals game. The he, other game I thought look, he was decent. He's, 
Yeah, he's definitely looking so much better, and that is still the story with 100 Thieves. I just think that the 100, the Immortals game, his positioning on Tilia was so disrespectful. Like, I don't know how he's getting himself in these positions, and then not flashing out once you are getting picked. That was like a couple of times he died with Ghost and Flash available, where it's like, dude, you have no business standing where you're standing. Um, I'm so much more like uh forgiveful if that's the right word for for those plays just because of how good he looked like last week for example um but like i was all aboard like the abadage hype train and i still am to a certain extent whereas like i didn't think he looked that good this weekend if i'm being honest yeah i mean but, it's, but, it was hard to in the immortals sorry in the immortals game he did like find the pick against poe the talia knockback or whatever um, was the thing that ended up winning them that fight i think they hard chunk uh, power of evil on the swain and then he has to blow hourglass and then he has to flash it and he's got nothing left to defend himself and they end up chasing him down and killing him so i will give abadagi the credit there because i think the final team fight was in big part due to him uh finding that pick yeah i was just gonna say that it was kind of hard to stand out in that dignitas game when the whole all the action was happening top lane where they gave someday the big counter pick silas top into the nar and hoon probably had one of the like worst lcs debuts i think i've ever seen unfortunately got for that smacked guy. around yeah there yeah. was a lot of flame being thrown his way on on twitter and reddit after that game it was deserved but and he had and then a like the tower game. dive he cancels the auto and then you just see that classic where like it, it happens so often you see it all the time where the tower dive just didn't have enough damage and then you see that top laner who's still taking turret aggro trying to chase down the guy and you know there's just no chance he's getting that kill before the tower wipes him out and you just ah oh. you even heard the casters just like oh no it's so sad yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not, a, not the debut he was looking for. I'm going to throw Hoon a little bit of a bone here because I have to think that the nerves got the better of him in that game just because of the amount of mechanical misplays that happened. The first solo kill, he misses the he misses the hop on top of Someday's head to get away. So, you know, he basically misses the hop and doesn't hit his head so he doesn't get that extra bounce and dies because of it. Uh, the second solo kill, he missed two Qs and his W. Um, he was actually gonna he was gonna win that all in if he hit one of if he hit one of those three spells one of the two of the Qs or just that one W he wins that team fight and honestly he was even laning pretty well against someday for the most part despite the two solo kills um, before the third one he was up twenty five CS in lane and yeah. you know, his laning was decent but just when it came to those clutch moments of fighting those one v ones in the early game he just ended up missing all the skill shots so I'm gonna throw Hoon a little bone right. there and say. The nerves probably got the better of him. Obviously, he didn't look good in the next game after as well, but I'm hoping that he's going to look as bad next week because I don't want him to get all that flame again. Poor guy. I agree. Last thing I'll say on 100 Thieves is even though I didn't think they had the greatest weekend, you could still see when it comes to fight, they are on the same page. Like There was a lot of times where like um, where Dignitas is trying to flank on them and they fight their way out of the flank, which is usually what you want to do. It's it's so much easier said than done um, where like you push towards the flanks so that you don't get caught by like the Nar in this case or whatever. They did a really good job of that. Even later, there was a TP flank from the Ari. They just ran towards the Ari and forced her to use her ultimate and use her abilities before the team could join the Ari. So like really good team fight instincts out of uh, 100 Thieves. And that's a good sign of like a team's not even having their best weekend that they can still team fight. 
let's be honest, team fights is where so many games are decided. Um, and that's something that 100 Thieves still has in their in their back pocket. So, um, yeah, they look pretty good. Uh, moving on over to Evil Geniuses. They obviously almost had that scare against Immortals, which have been based on Cloud9 and 100 Thieves going 2-0. That loss, you know, if they were to have lost to Immortals, that could potentially be a turning point in their season because they still would have had to play both 100 Thieves and coming up. But... They got the 2-0, so they still have that one-game advantage up on 100 Thieves and two-game advantage on that three-way tie for third place. Um, but, you know, I think kind of saw out of EG in their game against FlyQuest, once again, how strong and coordinated this team is. I think at the beginning of the game, people were like, oh, shit, what's going on? Philip gets, you know, two early kills where turn around a gank, and then, unfortunately, Jose Diodo starts going a bit crackhead mode, and they're trying to 1v1 Wukong. Oh, you're an 80 champion, huh. you don't try to 1v1 Wukong unless you're massively ahead because that champion just gains a bunch of stats for free. Fortunately, Jose Diodo made the bit made that mistake there and EG just kind of clobbered FlyQuest. Yeah, the, the story for EG from my point of view this weekend is a very short one. It's I thought inspired 1v9 this weekend. This to me was the solidifying front runner discussion. Like I think he was already the front runner for MVP. This is, it kind of happens every split where you have a couple of guys that you talk about that could be the MVP. Um, and then there's one weekend where they absolutely pop off and they just steal it. This was one of those. Now, I wouldn't say that there was a couple of guys that were being talked about for the MVP, but this is that weekend where like he was already one of the front runners and just had a 1v9 performance weekend where it's just like, yep, MVP's his. And so I think there's going to have to be a, a it's a really big long shot for that to change over the next, what, there's five games left? There's two weekends? There's there's one week and then a super week, I think? Yep, there's five games left. So, so two weeks and yeah, one of I, I don't I don't see it changing. I don't see it changing. I think that he locked up the MVP after this weekend. His if Wukong you, was great in both games. If you had to pick another two players, let's just say, to throw in, to throw in the hat, who would you? Two players. Um... Let me think. It can also be on EG, if you think. Well, yeah, my, my first instinct is Danny. Um, I know Berserker had a great weekend. I still think Danny's the best ADC this split. Um, I know a lot of people are going to not like that, because how dare you not say the Korean AD carry is the best AD carry in the league, and how dare you pick any town, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I still think Danny's the best AD carry in the league at the moment, and Berserker's probably just a little bit behind him, in my opinion. I I guess that the only other guy that I could think maybe would be Berserker behind him then for another MVP guy. Yeah, I don't I, think, I, it's I think anybody it's... else on C9. Yeah, I don't it... think it's anybody on TL. One hundred thieves like closers had a good split, but not like that like you know one v nine closer uh, that we've seen. Like he's had a great split. I don't know if I would say MVP worthy. Um, I don't got anybody else. Yeah, I I would probably only put Danny and Abadage in there. Yeah, I, I Abadage don't... had a pretty slow start to the split though. That's why I thought about him, but I can't. He had a pretty rough start where we thought it was going to be another rough one again. We thought it I was going to be he, another rough. I split think he's come him. on pretty strong, so I think he sort of warrants being in the conversation. And I also he think he, he's pretty much been the main. I think that 100 Thieves is winning games. I've I've said this before in other weeks that I don't think someday is playing as insane as he was early on. I don't think their bot lane is playing Agreed. as insane as they used to, although I think they're still playing very solidly. But I just think that Abadage is sort of 
he's he's the closer of the team right now. Yeah, fair enough. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think I can put anybody from TL in there. I don't think I can put anybody from C9 in there. The only person I probably would put is Berserker, but I still would favor Danny over him, although I think it's very close. I think both players mean a lot to their team, and I think that EG puts you know more resources into Danny in late game as opposed to Cloud9, whom seem to have a very early game focused identity with their with their bot lane and then sort of they shift then their focus to mid and top because we've seen Budge. He is often playing the late games dish out most of the damage and is the sort of player to watch in those late game team fights. I mean we've seen it all the time, like Gangplank, Gwen, Kale. I played like three Gwen games, two Gangplank games, two Kale games. Like he's literally just playing late game scaling and Berserker is often playing these more early game centric champions. So I just think that Danny, he's gotten the more He's gotten the more resources and the more flashy plays, which I just think is why he's naturally above them. Although I do think they're very, very close in terms of skill. I, I don't think there's like a clear cut is, one is better than the other. I think it's really, really close. And I'm kind of glad that we have these two guys that are vying for the number one spot because iron sharpens iron. So I, I, I like, I don't mind the whole, the resources thing. Like he, Danny gets more resources for me. He does something with the resources. Oh, man. I agree. You see what happens when and that I, guy picks but, Ezreal? And I, <laughs> like, I just think shit. it's I just think it's a differing of game plans from both teams, and I think that's totally fine. You know, we kind of see with Evil Geniuses, it's about JoJo and Inspired moving around the map and doing things in the early game, whereas Cloud9's identity is sort of playing around bot lane, getting early game dragons, and then taking that power and putting it into their top side with Jensen and Fudge. Yeah. And anyways, last up, let's talk about FlyQuest a little bit. Uh, not much for me to say on FlyQuest either. Um, just a little bit surprised, I guess. We You mentioned the Jose Diodo trying to 1v1 the Wukong. Like, yeah, that even Jet mentioned on broadcast, like he plays a lot of Lee Sin. I'm surprised that he doesn't know he can't take that fight, which I kind of agree with. Um, in the game against EG, though, like they start snowballing that game in the top side. Again, I got to give credit to Jose for that um he's been doing really well with working with philip i think that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen philip struggle that much um i guess we did see philip struggle a little bit in the cloud nine game because i think he could have hard smashed that lane even more against uh against fudge if he didn't like take a tower shot early like he jumps in too aggressively takes the tower shot and he ends up having to base in the early game twice without buying anything outside of like i don't know maybe he bought a pot or something or like a refillable pot so like there's just some we we've been told many times by like the LCS broadcast that the word around Philip is to not expect much out of the laning phase and I think that's shown to be mostly true um but that he's still playing way way above what was expected out of him. So even though it's like we saw a little bit of weakness out of Philip this weekend, I still think he's playing a lot better than what you could expect. Yeah, I I just think that FlyQuest ran into two teams that were better than them. Are just better than them Agreed. in general. And yeah. that doesn't mean that FlyQuest is not a threat or, or can't win games against these teams. Sometimes you're going to lose to, you know, two of the top teams in the league, and that's okay. Yeah. What are they, 7-6? and six? Yeah. They're, uh, they're the sixth-place yeah. team right now. Um, obviously, they have that three-way tie for third, but that only puts them one game out of potentially being third place. So, you know, if FlyQuest, you know, picks up some games, obviously they had a, a very difficult weekend. So... I would assume some easier matchups in their last five games of the season because I think they've already played uh, EG, C9, and TL. Their second round Robin. I think 
three of their first four games in the second round robin were three of the top four teams in the league. They still have 100 T to play, I believe. Um, but I think we'll see it later, obviously, when we talk about the matchups. I think but... Fly beat 100 Thieves, didn't they, in the first round? Or maybe yeah, I'm in, making in, that in, up. in the first round they did. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, yeah, that, that's about it for me on FlyQuest. I guess I didn't like Takui being on a call. I didn't think he could do much that game. That was, I don't know, they got shit on. Yeah, I mean, he also kind of misplayed in the early game. Ball, but Yep. He died and lost his flash and gave a kill to JoJo on the Azir. And yeah, can't be doing that. Okay, let's, uh, let's shift things over to the LCS 10th anniversary content. Uh, just a little thing we wanted to talk about. Some interesting stuff coming out of it. JNT, I'll let you lead this discussion. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it, the whole 10-year anniversary thing is something that Riot has been utilizing this split, or not this split, this year, because um, I think they have it like in their little transition with the logo. It's like LCS 10, and I don't know. It, it's cool to recognize mm -hmm. that the LCS has been around for 10 years. However, now they're actually doing something with it, and they're releasing content with, you know, the top 10 pentakills ever in the LCS and you know, the top 10 memes and who are some of the best players in their specific roles. And over the last few days during this LCS weekend, I think we saw some saw some content around this, which I thought was pretty interesting. And we don't really get to see a lot of content from the LCS themselves. And I think it's a part of the broadcast that people have sort of brought up some concerns with, partially because you kind of look over at the LEC and they're always doing all these, you know, fun content pieces with players. And it's always great to see, you know, the personalities. One thing that we completely forgot to mention last week, which I'll bring up right now because they did it again this week, but having fudge on their broadcast after they played their first game on Saturday. So we totally forgot to talk about this last week and we realized right after like, Oh shit, we didn't even talk about this, but they had Whippo on the analyst desk, the cast and doing a post game interview one game and then this week they had fudge doing yeah, it so i mean hopefully they're going to do it next week as well with somebody obviously has the gift of gab and and can sort of you know make Man. it a little more fun and everything but I, i've enjoyed you know watching those interviews hearing their opinions on the game i think in both games where we saw fudge and whippo being on the cast they've brought a lot of good insight to the game that we don't always see because we're not, you know, behind the scenes in the league. And, you know, they're talking about scrims, talking about matchups, and it's, it's really interesting. We haven't done Bean Soup Award in a while, and you just inspired one for me, JNT. Okay. I'm giving it to Mark Zimmerman because for the last couple of weeks, I've posted this take that teams should do content with each other. And I think that would be great. And I think Bwipo and the, the Fudge thing is a perfect example of like, how people like to see these teams interact with one another. And I think that's a good example as to how, why content can be good. The other thing is we have uh, Champions Queue now where teams are a lot more active in con conversing with other players from other teams. I feel like you could have get to know each other so much better because Champions Queue exists. And so I would like to see some content done between teams. I think that would just be really, really interesting and good for the league. And Mark Z won't pull my take that I've posted twice in the last weeks for Hotline League. So bean soup to Mark. Um, that was the one, that was what I posted tonight as well. And then he's like, oh shit, I already pulled a content take. So he's like, come up with something else, Blue Jay. He's like, you're, you're going to be next up. So just talk about something with Team Liquid. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll try to think of something. Bean Soup, Mark Z, what a guy. But uh, just sort of get back to the, the LCS 10th anniversary content. Uh, the first thing that they released was the, the LCS they released a thing called the 
top five top laners of all time in the LCS. And I'll just read it out really quickly. We're not going to do like a deep dive into it or anything because I think it was just a bit of fun. But for the top five top laners of all time, they had Impact number one, Someday number two, Monster number three, Dyrus number four, and Balls and Tarshan tied for number five. Funny enough, top five top laners, but there's six of them. Nice. Yeah, I just wouldn't have had Balls number five. Balls had a really good start to his LCS career, but let's be honest, he kind of fell off pretty hard as time went on. And I know there's the meme D2 Balls, but I do think that kind of speaks to how he fell off. Like, if you can't even get out of Diamond 2 when it comes, even if you're in a different region, that's not a good look. Um, and yes, he got a pentakill at that world because Darius was busted. Um, but yeah, I think the list is mostly accurate. I agree with the top five uh, for the most part. Yeah, I think I don't think I would remove or add any players into it. The only one that I would consider maybe is Uni, putting him in there. Oh potentially. yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, true. I didn't think about that. Obviously, his best days were in other regions because it was his time in Fnatic on 2015 and his time Immortals, on SKT. Immortals, though, man. Well, I know, but I. One thing that I would also say is it does seem like they skewed this a little bit to some of the more successful top laners, not necessarily the best like individual performers. I mean, true, that makes true. sense because you know, obviously you can't compare players who are playing in C1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 to ones that are playing now because obviously the players now are going to be infinitely better than the previous one. But as, as, when it comes to the list, I think the only thing that I don't really agree with is I think I would have had Hanser at 2. Someday at three. Mm. I do think that, you know, there's a little bit of recency bias going on with Someday. I've said this in the past, but like, I mean, I've praised Someday recently because I think he's playing very, very well. But there was a stretch of time for about two years where Someday was not very good. And, and he was overrated as well. Like, they, yeah. they continued to talk about... I remember having this conversation with you where he wasn't good. I totally agree. And the, the broadcast or just the community sentiment around that player was that he still was that good. And I agree with you. There was a time where someday didn't look that good. Um, and people just pointed out to, oh, he's on 100 Thieves and the rest of the team sucks at that time. But he wasn't playing that great either. So I, I agree with you. I, I, I could see that argument. Yeah, and I, I, I just think people kind of forget how good Hanser was also back in the day. Um, he was, after replacing Dyrus, he was the best top in the league for about two two years. And even before he came to TSM and was on Team Gravity, that was a team that had a bunch of no names. And you know, he was one of the reasons why that team was uh, was a playoff contender and almost went to Worlds that year. Like they, they were, mm -hmm. they were they got reverse swept by Cloud Nine in the gauntlet. Like that was obviously you know when Cloud Nine made that miracle run, but they were two they were a game away from playing a series away from going to Worlds and. Like, that's kind of impressive in and of itself. I'll continue to mention this as well. Hanser should have won MVP in 2017 spring. It should not have been Arrow. That is the wackest shit I think I've ever seen when it comes to like voting, when it comes to like whatever, all pro MVP, coach of the split, whatever. 2017 spring, Hanser should have been the MVP, not Arrow. That was some hard robbery right there. Um, Dude, I think the one split Jensen got robbed. Which, what, which one was that where Jensen was hard smurfing the league and they gave it to Bjerks in the one split? Do you remember mm. which one I'm talking about? Hmm. Don't know if it was season six summer or if it was season eight spring or something. 
Maybe it wasn't spring. Maybe it was. There was a split summer. where like Jensen was the kill leader, and look, I know. Oh, he that got was the season most six summer. Wall. That like, was season six summer. That that's he the one. absolutely ran over the league. It was so one v nine. I could not believe he didn't get MVP that split. I remember being so surprised. I think part of it was um, because TSM like was the seventeen and one team, and you know they were kind of smurfing the whole league. But I definitely agree with you. I think Jensen was just by far and away, you know dominating everybody whereas tsm was just as a team way better than everybody but Jensen yeah. was just outplaying the fuck out of everybody. so is the lcs do you know they're are they going to do other top five for the other positions is that what we're thinking they're going to do have they come out I with other so. ones already well they, not any other roles ones but they have like best pentakills of all time best memes of all time i thought the memes one was kind of funny Number one was like silver yeah, scrapes. Okay. They had they had Dig Baron in there. I have there. a couple of things to ask you though. I have a couple of things to ask you. Did you? So I didn't watch the Pentakill one. Was there anything from the Pentakill video that you're like, oh, there was like, I can't believe this Penta wasn't in there. No, we're we're all pretty reasonable. So those were all because the memes one. I did watch the memes, and there was so many that I thought were missing. I still liked the list anyways, but there was a lot like. I thought No Sneaky No Worlds would be, like, a great meme, no? Like, I thought that that was, like, one of the better ones that would be on the list. Um, but I guess not. Yeah, one, once again, um, I think with the, the sort of things, they definitely seem to be going for the more, like, nostalgic type of stuff rather than, like, you know, at, like you know, trying to grade players and grade plays and be like, okay, like, oh, this one's, like, it just seems that they're going for the more nostalgic thing, which I get what I would do. I, I mean, I didn't, like, it's not one of those lists where I'm like, I can't believe this one's number one, or I can't believe this one's not even on there. It was just, like, there was so many. It made me realize there is so many LCS memes because there was a bunch of them that weren't on there, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I, I wrote down a list. There's no sneaky, no worlds. Body by Jensen. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that one, surprised the Jensen one wasn't. Bjergsen in four wards like that's one of the originals uh, the the LCS pigeon thing not that I think it should have been on there but that's another meme Sven Skaren and his live evil stuff that this one I'm not surprised at all isn't on there but Bud Light Ace <laughs> like there's so many memes in the LCS but what I loved about the video is like for me I think it does a really good job of helping the newer LCS fans learn about some of the memes that they wouldn't know about if they if they're only been if they've only been following the league the last couple of years and that's one thing that i really really liked when they were showing like one of the dignitas barons or they they're showing scara talk about i think it was coast yeah. where he's like this team is winning until they lose like that stuff that, that like I, so i'm really funny. glad they brought back some stuff so i thought it, i thought it was great i i really enjoyed the uh, the meme one i still have to watch the pentakill one but there was it just made me realize there's so many lcs memes um and yeah i thought i thought it was great you want to guess what the number one penta was if you haven't watched it i have to guess it's danny yeah it was the danny one i mean bro yeah no i mean literally <laughs> 1v5 penta dude that is like the dream that could be on number one in the list of pentas for like i don't know maybe ever yeah i'm I, sure there's some really nice pentas but like I'm trying to think dude. of like best pentas ever Ones that come to mind are the Reckless one, um, and Game Five of Finals in Season Five Summer, and it was Fnatic versus Unicorns of Love. There was the Deft one in MSI 2015 Finals, where you got a Penta on Sivir. I don't remember any of these, but I would remember if I saw them. I'd be like, "Oh yes, that Reckless was playing Tristana in that one," and 
Yeah, Def was playing Sivir. It was I don't know if it was game five of MSI finals. It might have been, I'm not sure. Um wait, was that a play where they both penta each other or is that something else? I mean it might have been maybe it was quad river versus penta, I'm not sure. I, I do know what you're talking I remember, about when you said that. I remember a penta where both teams penta each other. I'm like, holy shit. I don't know, I don't know about that, but I think I'm not sure, but there's a few. Okay. I'm trying to, the other the other main ones in that LCS one I was the Wild Turtle one was up there. Um like him getting a penta in his first game. The Alltech one where he's on Echo Fox. Uh, well, that was like when they were playing Funnel. Uh, that was in Season 8 Summer. I forget what other ones. Funnel. Cringe. Yeah, Funnel was kind of cringe. I liked playing it, though. I had so much fun playing that. Like, I would just shit on people. Like, I would just get one of my as friends. As fun as you would have playing Fiddlesticks? Okay. For those that don't know, I got Jane. Well, I don't know. Let's not say I got you to play Fiddlesticks. But the other day, I was saying to JNT that like Fiddlesticks is one of the funnest champions in the game, and I will stand by that. And he's like, "No, that champion's boring." But to JNT's credit, today he messaged me that he had fun playing Fiddlesticks, and I've never been more proud in my life. Yeah, I got Fiddlesticks in an ARM. I was out of rerolls, and all the champions at the top sucked. So I was like, "I guess I'm playing Fiddlesticks," and I almost okay. One of my fr dude. My friend stole my Penta. I almost got a Penta in that game. Literally got stolen. The guy was 1 HP, Damn. and they stole my Penta. Like, it was a four-man alt. I absolutely owned them, and then my Penta gets stolen. I'm pissed about you that You're going to take still. it to the Rift? Yeah. You're going to play Fiddlesticks on the Rift? Maybe. I tried to play it one time. I tried, I tried to play it one time today. It got banned. The enemy team banned Fiddlesticks uh, three games in a row when I tried to play it. In norms, right? You're not yeah. playing that shit in ranked, are you? Yeah, I was literally looking up YouTube videos how to do the jungle clear as I'm like in champion select. Nice. I like it. All right, let's uh let's move on. Let's get to the predictions. This is gonna hurt, so just just do it. Band-aid right off JNT. Oh yeah. Show okay. the predictions. Show how I'm getting smacked around again. Dude, week one, I'm hard down, right? And I climb all my way back and now I'm just falling right back down again. Yeah, um for the audio only people, um my record now is third. 43 and 22 blue jay is 40 and 25 a couple of things to note though um before the lcs weekend actually started i switched my tsm golden guardians prediction over to golden guardians even though i picked Ball. tsm during the episode but they had traded for river so i was like obviously golden guardians is gonna win and fuck that and then jamie uh, he picked uh dignitas against clg but they had just lost river so he switched to there but nonetheless me backing myself against cloud nine versus team liquid i got that and then uh, I don't remember the other game uh, we lost out on. I think it was also uh, Golden Guardians again. Yeah. It was Golden Guardians versus CLG. Uh, where... CLG, yeah. Alrighty, but we'll get into this fast. Golden, Gar Speaking of Golden Guardians 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves. I can't do it. I can't apologize. I have been like the Golden Guardians apologist this year. I don't know how much more I can do it, man. Holy... Uh, right I in... said last week I was going to lose it if Golden Guardians went 0-2, and I was losing it. Unfortunate. Uh, next up, Evil Geniuses versus TSM. And Evil Geniuses. EG, and then we got TL versus FlyQuest. This one's an interesting one. Where do I want to go with this? Well, I'm picking Team Liquid. I'm going to go Team Liquid as well. I, I still have faith. I, I don't know why, because every week there seems to be a new problem with this team, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess they got to pick it up eventually. Team Liquid. CLG versus Cloud9 is the next game. Uh, Cloud9 had a really good weekend. I guess so did CLG, but I'm still going to go Cloud9 because I guess we just anticipate them to be ramping up. 
I'm not quite as hot as them as you are, JNT, but they are looking better, so Cloud9 for me. Not uh, yet. Last up, Immortals versus Dignitas. Potential comeback attempt for Dignitas. This would get them into a tie for last place instead of being in last place. But yeah, I, I, I don't think I can do it. I'll, I'll probably stick with the more funny Immortals because... Immortals looking good in their well, losses. Yeah, it's it's, it's, fu it's funny because up until last week, roster, I probably would have... After the way that looked last weekend and the way that Immortals looked despite the 0-2, I'm going to go with Immortals. Yep, me too. Okay, first game on Sunday, we have FlyQuest versus CLG. Interesting, interesting. CLG, baby. I think I'm going to go FlyQuest. I don't think that this is like a crazy upset either way. Like, I yeah, think this I is think probably so. a 50-50 game. Um, I also got to start pick, taking some different things if I want to catch up. I got two weeks to catch up. I got to make some different picks here, try to climb my way back in here. Yeah. All right, next uh, up, Cloud9 100, 100 thieves. thieves. You're going no Cloud9, word. and I'm going 100 Thieves. Okay. Right? Easy as that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, Evil EG Geniuses. versus Team Liquid. Well. Going Team Liquid. I don't know why, but. Interesting. Are you going to chicken out last second? I'm going EG. I'm going to go Team Liquid. I feel like it's in the script for TL to win, so. I consider taking TL here as well. The thing is, the last time these two teams played, EG did get the better of them. I just thought it was a well-played game by both teams. Like, I, I wasn't too upset when TL lost. I thought they played okay. Was just that a couple the of Zillion game with Hansama and Lucian? That was the one where Hansama ran it down. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Hansama don't run it down TL for my sake. A, the rest of TL had a great game. So, like, I don't think this is as lopsided as people think it is. But I'm still going EG. Then it's Immortals and Golden Guardians. Uh, oh my god. My instinct just had me say Immortals. Golden Guardians for me. Holy. Yeah, I'm going to go Immortals here. Do we have four different picks on, on Sunday? Uh, so far, yeah. I think you went 100 Thieves over yeah. Cloud9. Yeah. This is a make or break week. I said last yeah, week. I, is, it's funny. Yeah, I said last week that last week was going to be the make. Now it's this week. Different. This is going to look either so good or so bad. Okay, then last game, TSM versus Dignitas. I am going to go TSM. Yeah, I'm going to go TSM as well. Even though these two teams suck, um, I'm going to take the veterans over the roof. Solos. Dignitas better ban Bard. That's all I got to say. I thought Chime looked so much better on it. So anyway. Okay, quick news. Yeah. Kind of touched on it. But uh, when it came to Misfits selling their LEC spot, obviously Team Heretics, uh, there was a little bit of drama from, the, from Team Heretics. There were a few people uh, on Twitter, former employees, calling them out for... Some unpaid work, as well as one person who had revealed that Heretics had filed a lawsuit against them or threatened to file a lawsuit against them because they made a tier oh list on their Twitch stream. So, <laughs> oh man, that's, that's not a good just, look at all. That's just that's some TSM shit right there. Um, so uh, they're not even in the league yet, but Team Heretics is already starting up drama. So we'll just have to see where this goes. From, goes. Drama could be a good thing. It could be a really bad thing, but it could be a good thing for a league. 
And then, oops, I still have the prediction. Go away. And then last up, the T1 crazy motherfucking fans. Yeah, so I mean... What happened here, JNT? I don't know what this is. This just seems whack to me. Yeah, so most, most of our North American fans here probably don't keep up with the LCK, but obviously the LCK being one of the premier leagues in the entire world also comes with a very critical fan base. And we've heard a lot of stories typically surrounding with their fans being... Um, let's say a little over-enthusiastic. Um, a few things that I can remember pointing out was when there was that time where T1 was bad and they had benched Faker and they had got some ban to, like, drive outside of the headquarters with, like, a, a an LED sign saying something. Like, do you remember, like, hearing that back, back when? I do remember hearing something about that. Didn't were they the team that got sent flowers or something? Like they were dead or something? I don't, I, know. I don't know. Maybe um, there was also you know the whole drama when LS was potentially rumored to be joining the team as a member of the coaching staff, and like there was a huge backlash from the KR community about that. And right now, after I guess well no I guess this would have been before he ones lost to Gen G. There, this specific fan community um, created a letter to the T1 organization demanding that they, their head coach resign and they bring in some new you know, coaching staff, basically just flaming the last couple of years of the T1 organization because in their eyes, they haven't been doing as well as they should be. I mean, what, what do you want to say? Like T1 just went to MSI finals the year before. They're in Worlds finals. Uh, to me, I think they've been doing a pretty good job of turning it around since they kind of hit that little slump in seasons eight and nine. So, uh, once again, fucking crazy LCK fans. I don't even know what to say. Some fans just have no chill. And you know what I feel bad for? This reminds me of, like, how people just kind of get... Everyone gets painted with the same brush. Like, it kind of happens with TSM fans, right? Because TSM fans can be crazy as well. Maybe not this crazy, but, like, crazy. And so people always be like, TSM fans XD. But then there's, like, some perfectly normal TSM fans that are like, dude, I just want to cheer for my team, you know? Like, I'm not crazy. I'm not making Reddit posts about this, that, the other. And I feel like T1 fans are kind of being painted with the same brush, even though they're not all crazy as well. But holy shit, man. Some people gotta fucking relax. Unreal. Yep. Kind of funny. Actually, time, unreal. But... And like on the on the Reddit post, it was saying like they expected a, a response by T one or whatever. Yeah. Like, who this are so you? <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Yeah, crazy motherfuckers. Alrighty, well, that's, that's it for it, the quick right? news. But wanted to do a little oh. LEC talk. Because oh for yeah. The, for the people that know, Blue Jays big. And watches, you know, pretty much equivalent amount of LEC compared to the LCS, which is game. I watch all the games. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that league seems to be spicing up a little bit. Uh, Mad Lions have seemed to completely turn the tables after bringing in Niski. Uh, Rogue, once again, is getting right into their form of throwing the season away right as it's coming to, you know, before playoffs. Uh, G2 is doing their normal trolling thing and not looking very good to where they might, you know, all of a sudden playoffs begin get really good xl is miraculously you know a playoff contender now and i think the weirdest part about the entire split of the lec so far is how horrid fanatic look specifically razork yeah yeah razork looks like shit i yeah. agree I'll do my quick notes off the teams that come off the top of my head. And, and for, for those listening on YouTube or, or wherever, for that matter, 
feel free to comment and tell me where I'm crazy or stuff you disagree with because I don't know. I don't really get to converse very often about LEC uh, with people so much, right? Obviously, yeah, I, I, I don't watch too much LEC. So my quick my one, I think Mad Lions is great. JNT knows this. I remember saying to him that they were the best team in the league when they were four and three. I was like, this team is the best. This team is going to win LEC. They haven't done that yet, but they're my favorite. I think Niski's definitely looking like the MVP. And I'm glad it sounds like the, the community sentiment is finally catching up with that as well, I think, anyway. Um, he's an absolute monster. XL, good team, not a great team. They're the other team that I cheer for. I pretty much cheer for those two teams. XL is good. They're not great. They're probably going to finish around with like the same win percentage as they have now. Um, what, are, what is XL? Are they like eight and they're five seven, or are they seven and six? I think seven and six. Yeah, that, that seems about right. I think I said to you, J and T, it might've been on this podcast. It might've just been in discord that they are approximately a 10 and eight team. Was that you that I said that too? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think that's changed. I think they, that's still where they're at. Rogue, I think, has leveled out as to where they should be. I think they're 8 and 5, is that, if that's right. Yep, tie with that Vitality. That, to me, is where I think they should be. Vitality, tie per second, yeah, 8 and 5. I'll get, I'll get to them. I'll get to them. I'll get to them. Uh, Rogue, I think, is good team. Again, not great, just a little bit better than XL. I don't think their bot lane is particularly amazing. Haven't really been too impressed with the Rogue bot lane. So even though they were on that huge win streak, I was waiting for Mad Lions to catch them. It seemed like that has happened. Uh, G2, I thought G2 was still a good team. Uh, this weekend, I'm a little bit questioning that. I'm, I'm not that, I'm not very impressed with Yankos at the moment. I think he's got to really turn it around. Uh, Vitality, I actually thought had a good weekend this past weekend. I still don't think that team's good though. I thought Alfari had a good weekend. I thought Perks had a good weekend. Overall, I think this team is still not that great though. I think you're two solid teams in the LCS is still rogue and mad lions and then maybe xl but nobody else is really impressing me and that's that's my quick thoughts my quick lec rundown oh misfits sucks too also yeah that team's crap uh, bds is crap uh sk is okay but still they're kind of garbage and that's about it astralis, anyone dude. that wants to astralis, what about oh yeah that's... uh they're worse than their record but still improved still improved so you had to, I think that's everyone. If you had I to pick anyone? your your four LEC Worlds teams and which which seed is which, give them to me right now. Adlines for sure, then Rogue. Um, hmm. I can't give it to Vitality. Definitely not. I don't think Vitality is going to go. I think G2 can turn it around. And then with the fourth spot, I guess XL. But take that with a grain of salt because I'm an XL fan. So I think yeah. if I had to pick... I would probably pick Mad 1, G2, 2, Rogue 3, Vitality 4. Something along the lines of that. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, who, who's on XL even? Like, I know, who, I know who's on that team, but, like, I don't see, like, them having that player that really pushes them over the edge. Um, and if, if you... If you're of the opinion that Fnatic or not Fnatic, G2 and Vitality are going to benefit from their veterans coming into playoffs. I don't think Excel kind of has that same, you know, aspect of their team. Yeah. Mickey, Patrick, Nuke Duck have been around for a while. Marcoon's kind of new, but he's been pretty good. And Finn, Finn's been okay. Um, that makes him sound worse than he is. He's been solid, I guess. Not amazing, not terrible. Not CLG Finn, so we'll take that. Oh, he's so much better than CLG Finn, no doubt there. 
But yeah, if anyone has any uh, thing that they agree or disagree with about the LEC, I would like to see some comments around that stuff. I want to know what people think of, of the LEC. Um, I don't have anything else, JNT. Anything else you got? No. Pretty chill, Let's though. Let's close out the episode. Yeah, I, I think the, the LEC's been, lo been lots of fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. World, worlds will be great. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, that's it for this episode, guys. Again, we'll be back same time next week. Remember to subscribe, hit the like button, put a comment down, all that stuff that helps us. We appreciate you all. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. This has been episode 94, Clown Fiesta Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>